With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. The Investigative Team. Beginning with the 2015 Yates Memo, the 2016 FCPA Pilot Program, the 2017 and 2019 Evaluations of Corporate Compliance Programs, including the 2020 update through to the FCPA corporate enforcement policy, the Department of Justice has put even more pressure on every CCO, compliance practitioner, and indeed every company to get an internal investigation done quickly, efficiently, and most importantly, right. This is even more true after the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in Digital Realty Trust versus Summers, which limited whistleblower protection and benefits to only those whistleblowers who go to the SEC rather than initially report internally. Who should be on your investigative team? As data collection, retention, and preservation are critical elements of any significant internal investigation, you will need to have the involvement of your IT function. IT can help put a litigation hold on documents that can help with the preservation of data in other areas of the organization as well. Further, they can assist with certain other aspects as more facts and circumstances become known. HR is often an underutilized function for an internal investigator. HR can provide context about employees' work history. There may be notes in HR areas as diverse as training and exit interviews. HR can also be useful to give investigators some insight regarding the credibility of an individual who might be making the allegation. For example, are they a good and trusted employee? How long have they been with the company? What's their general demeanor? And what's the feedback on that particular individual? Both the board and senior management can provide different types of support for an investigation. Jonathan Marks has noted the board has oversight responsibility and senior management is responsible for the day-to-day tactical operations of the organization, including internal controls. This means from, from the board's perspective, we want to make sure our governance processes are in place and operating efficiently when it comes to the investigation. So my concern or a concern from the board member's perspective from an investigation early on is what's the financial impact, what's the legal impact for a publicly traded organization? Are there other potential issues here which we as a board need to be concerned with going forward? From the senior management perspective, the key thing is there an issue and the ability to either override controls or controls that weren't in place or there was something that basically caused this. What do we need to do to assess this? What do we need to do to fix this? What was the root cause for potential bad behavior? Like I said, how do we fix that or how do we put a plan together in order to fix that or shore it up? 
Marks emphasized that it's not the board's responsibility, but that of senior management. Marks also pointed out that while an investigator would probably assume that the board had been notified at this point about the issues being investigated, the investigators may want to make certain the board has been aware of the investigation and of the incident in question. Mark suggests outside consultants in the form of forensic accountants could be a part of your investigative team. Such a skill set of team members can bring investigative mind that drives them to answer questions about what occurred, when and how it happened, and who was involved. However, most lawyers do not understand how forensic accounting is performed and how they can assist your compliance investigation going forward. Forensic auditing works to collect and analyze accounting and internal controls evidence. They use this information to produce fact-based report that can inform the decision-making process and in inquiries, investigations, and dispute resolution. The byproduct of an internal audit's work can include remediation strategies to help a company mitigate and remediate procedure or internal control gaps that are allowed the underlying issue to occur. Inquiries into accounting and internal controls raise a host of technical issues requiring specialized knowledge that forensic accountants are uniquely positioned to provide. This is a qualitative difference from internal audit, which often looks at the processes to determine if they've been adhered to in a procedure. The objective of a forensic audit investigation team is to collect, analyze, and report on evidence or facts surrounding an act that often has litigious, fraudulent, or criminal implications. Auditors can also collect and analyze data, but an independent auditor's objective is to attest to the credibility of the assertions that are under examination, such as the material accuracy of financial statements for which the audited company's management is responsible. However, a key role of the forensic accountant is to identify a concern and to notify company management about the issue or issues discovered. As with a decision on bringing in outside counsel to perform a compliance investigation, you will need to consider whether a forensic accountant should be retained as an outside consultant or hired as an employee. One critical reason to bring in an outside professional is that they will not be governed by management or influenced by potential biases within a company. Lastly is the issue of privilege. If a forensic accountant is not assigned through your legal department or outside counsel, you can kiss away any chance of claiming privilege. Obviously, the general counsel will need to be involved to help protect the attorney-client privilege if for no other reason. Further, the investigation needs to have compliance involved to understand the compliance program that is in place at the time of the incident and what procedures the compliance had and understand if there was truly a gap in the compliance function or maybe there was an area within the compliance function that was not operating as described, prescribed, or perhaps even a little bit weak. So what are today's three key takeaways? Well, number one, HR plays a key but often underused role in in internal investigations. HR may have information in an employment file that would be highly relevant to your investigation. Have there been any complaints about the employee? Has the employee made other complaints? What's been the employee's uh, report on his annual, annual report and feedback from his boss? What about from his coworkers or her coworkers? Uh, employee uh, HR is also, I think, well suited to help with some uh, investigative duties, uh, determining documents, looking at documents, doing a lot of things that uh, uh, compliant will supplement your lead investigator as well. Always remember, number two, always remember that the board and senior management have different roles. The board is there to oversee the senior management is there for the day-to-day operations. And finally, 
do not forget to have your legal department involved. Your legal department needs to lead the investigation because indeed it is the legal department which uh, will garner you the claim of the attorney-client privilege. It's not something that you want to give up immediately when you begin your investigation going forward. This is Tom Fox. I hope you will enjoy this month's offering on hotlines and investigations. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. If I could ask you to do so, would you pass on to at least one person this podcast series on the nuts and bolts of compliance as I'm trying to expand my audience base for 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow where I take up another topic in innovation in compliance. Thanks again for listening. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.